Good morning. My name's Wilson. It's really good to be with you guys this morning. Um, and it's been great to be looking at this book of Hebrews. We've been looking at it all summer long, and now we've come to the, uh, to the last week. So if you've got your Bible with you, turn to the book of Hebrews. Uh, we're going to look at chapter 12 and the last bit of chapter, chapter 13. Um, yeah, this has been such a great book to get to preach together with Keith, and then um, so great having Art come in last week um, and, and preach this for us. I was thinking if, uh, if the writer of Hebrews could sum up, kind of in one word, where, where he would want his hearers to be at the end of interacting with this, this treatise um, that he wrote for them, what would it be? What would, what's, what's that place that the writer would have his readers be at, right? It's a very pastoral letter. The writer's really trying to get us who are listening to this to a certain place. And where would I leave you guys this morning after spending a summer in the book of Hebrews? Um, and I think, that, I think the word would be maturity. This idea of coming to a place of maturity. So, for instance, in Hebrews 6, the writer kind of, takes this break in the middle of the whole argument and says, let's press on to, ma to maturity. He's talking to, to his readers in the day and said, you guys should be teachers by now, um, but you still need milk and not solid food. Let's press on to maturity. I think that is where Hebrews would ultimately push us to be, to see us in a place of maturity. Um, so we've seen throughout that when you open up Hebrews, it's sort of like opening up a package of smelling salts. Like it's just, you've got to have your boots on. Um, like it's just, there are so many jarring warnings in here. But those warnings are there to wake us up from dullness, to spur us on. Like to get out of this place of crossroads, of, of being in between, like am, am I going to sort of drift off or am I going to persevere? Am I going to move towards Jesus or am I going to move towards something else that's promising security and freedom and peace? Hebrews would, would have us get out of that waffling place and into the place of maturity, of solid grounding. That's what maturity means. It means coming out of this place of waffling to a place of confidence in your faith and poise so maturity is not, uh, it's not smugness at all. It's not pride. It's not being self-sufficient. Not at all. No, maturity involves a reverence for God. It involves a sense of wonder. It's not boring at all. Wonder and awe. It means replacing, replacing pride and self-sufficiency with humility and with gratitude. Hebrews, uh, Hebrews alerts us to the fact that it's possible to be a Christian and get stuck in immaturity for a long time. It's possible to spin our wheels in this. That's what was happening with the, with the first readers of this book. But God's desire for every single one of us is to bring us into that place of solid grounding, of joy, of peace, of gratitude, of worshiping God with, with a sense of wonder and awe charging our lives. It's a beautiful place to be. But without maturity, you're kind of walking with a limp in your Christian life, in your vocation to be salt and light to the world, in your, in your inner sense of life with God. You're, you're walking with a limp in, in your joy and, and peace that, that you really can experience. 
So I'm going to talk to you today about maturity, uh, which seems like a very silly thing to me to be doing, because um, I have a, a really long way to go in this. Um, it's just funny, like, like especially at the 830, like looking at mothers and fathers of the face and be like, I'm going to talk to you about maturity today. Um, <laughs> They're all like grinning at me, like, oh, tell us. Yeah, that would be, that would be, that would be great. Um, but what I can offer is I can offer them, I'll open up what God gives us in Hebrews here, a path to maturity. Uh, and there are a lot of things that can be said, but I'm just going to give you a few. What's, what's the path to maturity look like? The first thing we're going to see is that the path to maturity requires that we encounter God as he really is. Got to encounter God as he really is. Uh, This is what we see in the first paragraph we've got in our passage here. So in verses 18 through 21, uh, we see one encounter. And in verses 19 through 20, or sorry, 22 through 24, we see another encounter with God. All right, the first one is on Mount Sinai. And it's terrifying. The other is in God's heavenly abode on Mount Zion, and it's celebratory and welcoming. The two pictures feel very, very different, Um, but they're not because a different God is being encountered. So we're not running into this issue of the Old Testament God was scary and the New Testament God is nice now. Um, It's not that. It's the same God, which makes the contrast even more striking. Like in the Mount Zion encounter, for instance, we we learn that God is still judge, right? And in the later verses, we learn that God shakes the heavens and the earth, like takes the created world by its scruff and shakes it. And then in verse 29, we learn that, that our God is a consuming fire. Not God was a consuming fire and, and now he's not anymore, he, but he is. He's a consuming fire. It's the same God, and yet one encounter is terrifying and one encounter is pure joy. Why? What's the difference? Well, it's verse 24. It's the Sunday school answer. It's Jesus. Jesus is the key difference maker. Jesus who mediates a new covenant, right? Who, who mediates an entirely new arrangement for encountering God. It's his sprinkled blood, which is crying out for forgiveness, not for, not for vengeance, like the blood of Abel back in the, in the Genesis story. What we're seeing here is that Jesus does the impossible. He makes possible what was once impossible, which is a safe encounter with the living God. A safe encounter with the living God, which is a statement that should sound like an oxymoron. There's nothing about encountering the living God and all of his holiness that for us should be safe. But through Jesus, so it is. So, what's this have to do with maturity? Well, this is where maturity begins. An encounter with God as he really is. Because when you start to grasp what what it really means to encounter the real God, something happens to your faith. Your faith starts to get flooded with a sense of wonder. And with a sense of unbelievable gratitude and kind of shock. So you look at Mount Sinai and you see the vivid picture of God's holiness. Terrifying sights and sounds. Judgment. 
anything comes close to God's presence, even an animal just kind of straying close, means death. Even Moses, the hero of the Old Testament story, says, I tremble with fear when I'm getting near. That's God's holiness. You capture that image and you sit with it, right? But then you realize that this God poured out his blood so that I could come near. This God now welcomes me into his presence with safety and with open arms. And the encounter all of a sudden looks like this. Instead of terror, right? Instead of the restriction, the command to stay back, listen to this. Just look with me at this description, starting in verse 22. Innumerable angels and festal gathering. Angels having a party, okay? In the Old Testament, uh, the angels were the ones that declared the law, right? You don't see the angels declaring law anymore. You see them just celebrating, all right? The first, you've come to the firstborn enrolled in, hell, in heaven. That's a welcome home, all right? You come home and your name is on the list. And not just as a friend, but as a child, right? One of my kids is here. Like, welcome in to God, the judge of all. When you're welcomed into God's presence safely, God as judge is not a fearful thing. It's good news. When the Psalms talk about God as judge, it's, it's always in the sense of like, God is judge. It's a celebration. God making, making all things right, setting everything wrong back into place the way it's supposed to be. It's good news. Coming to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, like that deep inner cleansing that we were talking about a few weeks ago, reaching to the core of your being, happening. And lastly, the writer of Hebrews is such a good writer. Lastly, to Jesus, the best of all. The pictures, you're like coming into this party and there's clamor and excitement and you're like trying to catch your bearings and then it's almost as if Jesus is back there quietly waiting and you finally see him. Jesus, the same one who said he's not gonna drink wine until we all get there, right? Waiting for us to arrive to his sprinkled blood, which is crying out for your forgiveness, for your release and cleansing. This is what you've come to. And notice the, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, you have come to it, not you will someday, won't this be awesome? But in some mysterious way, we're already there and we can already catch glimmers of it before it's fully realized. Encountering God as he really is leads to joy and gratitude and awe and wonder. It's, that is the stuff of maturity, of a mature faith. Now, the flip side of this is that if you tame God, you'll never get out of immaturity, right? So if you encounter God kind of on your own terms, or if your idea of God is something that you've, that you've made, that God is, fits into categories that you think would be appropriate for him to fit into or, or, to, or what he should be like, that's the place of immaturity because that's, that's actually not God at all. That's not an encounter with the living God. This is what God is. Take a look at the immensity and you'll grow. So St. Augustine said, uh, Augustine, who's always a little intense, said he experienced God as, um, as love and dread, as terror and desire. Because he looked at his immensity and at his holiness and there's, there's a sense of shock, right? But then he looked at his intimacy and his yearning for you. 
and his heart was broken open. And that will happen to us too. So the path to maturity requires encountering God, but encountering him as he really is. That's the first thing. Second, second, what does the path to maturity entail? How do we get there? Uh, path to maturity requires, second, pressing in to the life of faith. So maturity comes in the midst of actively pressing in to the life of faith. Uh, so the opposite of this, obviously, would be the opposite of pressing into faith would be turning away, right? So verse 25 uh, gives the, one of the last major warnings in the book of Hebrews. It says, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. So we see it really is possible to come to a close encounter with God and to turn away. So the Old Testament people of Israel famously did this after Mount Sinai, right? They turn away from God. What we're reading here is that even, if, even after Jesus has opened this way of safety and welcome, it's possible to turn away and to reject it. And just notice that there's no real neutral ground that's given. God has, has spoken in Jesus' blood. And there's no safe kind of in-between neutral spot, Right? What Hebrews has said over and over again is if we are not wearing a well-worn path to Jesus, then by necessity, we're drifting. So I'll get serious about Christianity once I, once I go to college. I'll get serious about Christianity once I'm, you know, getting to have some fun first. I'll get serious about it once my life is not so busy. Like, those options actually are not open to us. Jesus is speaking to you now. He's poured out his blood for you, which means the, for your ransom, for your sin, which means the moment is now. And God in Hebrews is speaking to us and saying, don't, don't do that. Don't turn away. Don't refuse to listen to the one who's speaking directly to you in, in utter love. The one who's blood is crying out for your forgiveness. In short, press into your faith. Open your ears to God. Live in gratitude for receiving an unshakable kingdom. Like worship him with reverence. Worship him with a sense of awe that he deserves. He's not a tame God. Um, Okay, so we're talking about pressing in to the life of faith as part of the road to the path to maturity, right? Um, I want to talk about something for just a second that's very, very closely related uh, to all this, to the issue of maturity, very closely related to pressing into the life of God. And it's this issue of assurance. Um, So assurance is just knowing that you belong to God. And some of you may have some experience struggling with this. Like, have you ever asked the question, am I really a Christian? Um, this is part of my story. This is part of my struggle in, in trying to work t- out of immaturity to, to a place of more maturity. Really wondering, like, what, what is my standing with God? Like, am I, am I really a Christian? Um, like, we, you can read a lot of the warnings in Hebrews that are so jarring, and they're meant to kind of wake us up out of complacency, but they could also bring a kind of morbid introspection of fear, that kind of gets you stuck in the quagmire. Um, so assurance is actually a key part of becoming more mature. And here's the ticket. 
The thing about assurance is you only get assurance by pressing into your faith, what we've been saying. Assurance comes in the midst of pressing into faith, not by standing at some outside objective place and looking in at your faith and seeing if it's good enough, okay? This might be a key move for some of you if you've been struggling with this issue or if you ever have before. Um, Some of us, have grown accustomed to looking for assurance and, and looking for steadiness and safety in our relationship with God by taking this objective stance and, and looking from the outside in at your faith. And that actually will never bring assurance. So for one example, I just want to quote one theologian who's doing this sort of thing and is advocating for it. Um, and, it and in this quote, he's kind of riffing off the parable of the sower, you remember, um, where Seed is scattered on the ground, and three times it doesn't, it doesn't end up producing any fruit. One time it does. Um, and this particular theologian said this, contrasting true faith and temporary faith. He said, true faith is deep, most internal, vital, friendly, and efficacious, while temporary faith sticks to the uppermost surface of the soul, the intellect. It does not penetrate to the heart, nor does it have true trust in Christ. It is only superficial and theoretical knowledge connected with perpetual hesitation and wavering. Now, I'm just going to speak for myself just a second, not talking about y'all. Um, but I look at that and I will never find assurance that way. If I stand in and look at my faith, I'm going to see hesitation and wavering all the time, right? And like, what about that month where your faith was not vital and friendly and efficacious, but it was hanging on by a thread. Like, how do you look at that and get any sort of assurance that your faith is real? How do you not come to the conclusion that like, I must have temporary faith? If you try to take some objective position and like dissect your faith like that, like a scientist with a lab coat on, you'll never get there. Like, how can you tell if your faith is sticking in, in your intellect or in the deepest part of your soul. That's really hard. No, the key to finding assurance is not from that perspective, but it's just from living into your faith, pressing into the action of faith. The key is what we find, what Jesus said in our gospel reading, right? I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can't do anything. If anyone doesn't abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. So Jesus is not saying, check and make sure that you're a good branch, right? He just says, you're a branch, right? You are. Abide in me. If you don't abide, like, of course you're going to wither away. Because without me, you can do nothing. But if you do, then you're going to bear fruit. And in the same way, all the warnings of Hebrews jar us not into examining faith, but just jar us into leaning in, pressing in. Look how many times in Hebrews it says, draw near to God. Look what Jesus has done, so draw near instead of drifting away. Look at this, look at this Savior that we've got, this great high priest's sacrifice, and draw near. If you're struggling with assurance, you'll find it by just pressing in, abiding in Jesus, coming to worship, getting in front of his word, getting into prayer, leaning on your brothers and sisters. That's where assurance will come from. 
not from this examination stuff. You'll find assurance as you run into God's arms, as you press into faith. You'll be strong in his strength, right? Without him, you can do nothing. So, what's the path to maturity? Encountering the living God as he really is. Pressing into faith. Finding, finding assurance in there. And then finally, the path to maturity requires just receiving God's blessing. So chapter 13, very end of 13. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do as well, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Mature faith simply receives the powerful, equipping, surefire blessing of God's work in your life. So the Christian life takes effort right? Takes determination, takes patience. This last word, this blessing, doesn't take any of the force out of that. We, do, we still do his will. We still work what is pleasing in his sight. But the wonderful news is that God's blessing is breathed into our lives. It's the wind in our sails. It's God that equips you with what you need. The God of peace. The God who brought Jesus out of death and into resurrection life. The God who's going to bring your body out of death and into life again. That God equips you. That God works in you and through you. Maturity is not becoming more self-sufficient. It's not needing less and less of God so that you can do more and more on your own. It's the exact opposite. It's becoming more and more reliant on God. It's seeing more and more of your life as being charged with his presence. It's seeing your work just being work that God is doing in you and through you. It's hard to figure out where you begin and where he ends, right? Uh, children teaches this. Uh, children teaches this concept. So my little almost two-year-old loves taking the garbage out to the curb right now on Thursdays. Uh, and he really does work with all his might. Like there's that, you know, there's that little bar at the bottom of the, uh, out of the big garbage can. He like grabs onto that and he's pulling as hard as he can. Um, but it's obviously me that is directing his work and is shepherding it, right? And is putting um, like most of the power behind it, if we're honest. Um, but he loves it. He loves doing the work. And he actually gets a lot more done when the trash can's empty on the way back, you know? Yeah, it's like maybe half of it even. Um, kids teach us this. Now, if it was up to him, he would never remember that it's Thursday morning and that the trash has to go out to the curb. But as soon as I start moving the thing, like he's on, he's, he is ready to go, right? Um, he's listening out for his father's voice. We do the same thing. We listen for our father's voice. We look at his, what he's doing in the world and we put our hand to the plow. And we can do it with joy. We can do it with a ton of security, knowing that he's working in and through us and he's directing our work. We receive his blessing, which... Hebrews says right here, equips us and enables us and sends us out. This is the way to maturity. Isn't that beautiful, right? It's full of grace. I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of uh, something Jesus said in Matthew 11. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. 
That's not a picture of immaturity. That's a picture of maturity. Isn't that amazing? Unforced rhythms of grace, learning to live lightly and freely, just learning from your rabbi, Jesus, and working with him. Maturity comes when we encounter God as he really is, as we press into faith, as we receive his blessing, and he sends us out. Let's pray.